You're listening to the 515 Podcast, led by Pastor John Wayne McMahon with Kingwood United Methodist Church in Kingwood, Texas. Thanks for downloading. Hi there, welcome to episode 59 of the 515 Podcast. Uh, Jason Priestmeyer here with John Wayne McMahon. You can set that down gently. Perfect. That's great. John, how are you doing today? I'm great. Are you going to leave that in there? Yeah. <laughs> I nailed it. I'm not going to let some pesky uh, phone technology uh, put down the phone table. Phone technology? I was just setting my phone down. Get, I'm, I'm afraid to breathe right now. Yeah, I, I really prefer if you'd hold your breath in between okay. talking, but okay. just do, for this. The, we're having volume issues getting started. I so think we're Jason's having, restricting me. Yes, we are. Um I can't. I'm also a fidgeter, so that makes all of this very I know. complicated. I can't. Like sometimes when he's talking, he'll like he'll like pound the table, yeah. and I have to put my hand gently on his to hold it still. Yeah, and it just gets really awkward. But um, hopefully, I um, told you to submit a, a proposal, and we'll build like a whole studio for you somewhere. I don't know if you did tell me that, I, I but now I'm it's official, kidding. and everyone here has heard it, and I am going to type that up tonight. Yeah. <laughs> so, welcome to the um, conclusion of the... What? Chaos. <laughs> That's right. The conclusion of the Wondermark sermon series. Wonderwork. Don't! Oh! <laughs> okay, I just told John that I was... The way the graphic is written... I misread it every single time, and I tend to call it the wrong name, and I just did did it it, uh, the last week of the series. Well, this won't be a problem next week. So the WonderWorks Sermon Series is, uh, we've been talking about the genealogy of Jesus. That is correct. And um, I think Ryan put it best when he was talking about the particular song selection for the the Vine Worship this weekend. Since this is a conclusion of the, the series, he picked a song called Jesus. I'm like... Oh, that's that's a really good connection there. So that's what this uh, this particular week's sermon was about. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. Like awesome. Whitney Pierce, the assistant uh, children's director, she she came to me and said, "Hey, what do you preach on uh, this week?" And my answer most Sundays can be Jesus sarcastically. <laughs> yes. And this Sunday it was yeah Jesus. I mean, yeah. so the conclusion of the genealogy is obviously yes. Um, this is the line that leads to Jesus. And so, anyways, let, let's I, we'll kind of wrap it up a little bit. I'll give you an overview. So, uh, we we covered a lot of stuff. Now, if you turn to Matthew chapter one, you see a ton of names. We could have spent months and months going through all every character that's in this line. Um, but really, what we looked at is uh, the fact that uh, Matthew did not just by happenstance use this. It wasn't like a formality. Oh, I got to get this business out of the way mm-hmm. and, and put this like this list of names in. He actually chose it intentionally, and so. Um, um, what he was trying to do is is show that that all of the redemptive history points to to this moment to Jesus, and so there's a, there are several things that he put in there. Um, the first few weeks we looked at the fact that he's the son of Abraham and the son of David. That the promises that are given to Abraham, the promises that I'm going to make your descendants great, that um, I'm going to make you a people, all of those promises very early in Genesis, those are finally fulfilled in Jesus. The promises of David, a son of David, that David is this great king and there's the prophets and 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 some of the early Israel history saw that there would be, they knew that God was going to give them a, a king like David in the line of David that was going to do what David fell short of. And that's, um, that's solidify the 
the the people of Israel, and really we see an even bigger scope of that in Jesus. And so the promise in Second Samuel seven, when David tells God, "I want to build you a temple so that you can dwell here um, with your people for all time," God says, "Your your your vision's way too small. Mm-hmm. I'm going to build my own house. I'm going to establish my throne for all time through your line." And then we see that fulfillment in Jesus. And Matthew is going to use these themes all the way throughout his gospel. So for him to open with his genealogy is very intentional mm, yeah. uh, in that. So son of Abraham, son of David were obviously very important to him. He, he worked through, uh, Matthew included a lot of unlikely circumstances and unlikely people in this line, particularly the women were very interesting <laughs> to show up in this. Typically a list of dudes in the Old Testament and all of a sudden there's women in here. Mm-hmm. Normally the only time a woman would show up in the genealogy is if uh, just to show which uh, which which son they're talking about in a line because if you had multiple wives then oh this is so-and-so's son okay and so that was typically the only reason they would make it into it and as a matter of fact um these these women that make it into the genealogy have really crazy stories um some of them not as crazy but some of them really crazy Mm -hmm. we preached on tomorrow and you can go back a couple weeks and look at that that story that we talked about here as well and then i think chris preached on josiah um and so we looked at a good king but how god work through good kings and bad kings mm-hmm. and and through just interesting uh, parts of history to work his redemptive story together. And then, of course, to conclude the series to see how all of this was leading to Jesus. I felt like since I was the only one preaching on this series to end with, I felt uh, God lead me towards the transfiguration. So we hmm. we looked at the story where Jesus takes Peter, James, and John up on the mountain and some crazy stuff happened. And that's yeah. kind of what we looked at this past week. Yeah. Pretty good overview. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So um, so the transfiguration, uh, we see it in multiple places. I looked at Matthew 17 and Luke 9. So one of the things that you can see in, in when Gospels have the same story, sometimes they report it differently, and the differences can give us an insight at the emphasis of that author. Mm-hmm. So when Luke reports it a little differently, Luke's actually trying to emphasize something a little different than what Matthew is. And so it's kind of cool. As you're reading, you can compare the way parables are kind of shared or different things like that, the way Jesus teaches here and then it's reported a little bit differently in another gospel Um, there's there's different emphases that that happen there Uh, so in the transfiguration if you're not familiar with this story it's an amazing story where Peter James and John three of the disciples Jesus brings them up on the mountaintop um, and then when he gets up on this mountaintop his body begins to change it becomes white like lightning this glory that is revealed Um, and really a lot of a lot of interpreters and and scholars would say that this is kind of a a a pre-taste of of the the resurrection of the glorification of Jesus of of his heavenly body, I guess, um, being revealed to them. Whatever it is, they're getting to see something of the heaven's glory here in Jesus. So this amazing thing. And then if that wasn't enough, all of a sudden, Elijah, the great prophet of their history, shows up and Moses shows up. What? Yeah, so those three (laughs) are hanging out and like uh, Peter freaks out as Peter (laughs) normally does. And he says, oh, uh, 
let's build tents and we can hang out yeah. together <laughs> and let's stay here. And just, it's an amazing story. And so there's a few things that I wanted to talk about Sunday. Um, and, and just to give you an overview, please go back and listen to the sermon, the podcast and that, in that presentation. But a couple things that I wanted to lift up one, um, Peter, James and John become distracted by Elijah and Moses that they miss the very glory of Jesus mm. being revealed around them. So Luke is very blunt about this. Luke says that they are sleepy. <laughs> like all of this crazy stuff's going on and they're tired. And I, I, I tried to reference when those same three, along with the other disciples, fall asleep in the garden when Jesus is praying before yeah. his final, his final journey to the cross. Um, and I think sometimes scripture uses sleep as a metaphor a little bit too Mm -hmm. and so maybe maybe they are physically tired but also i think they're they're spiritually asleep and they miss something that's going on and so i shared a parts of my story when um i knew what it's like to be asleep at the wheel (laughs) and to be missing some of the things that god was doing around me and how dangerous that is and so it was a real call for us to not be distracted by even good things like elijah and moses which are great heroes of their faith Um, so that could be the way things are, or that could be narrow expectations of the Jewish faith. They think that that Jesus is supposed to be exactly like Moses or exactly like Elijah instead of the fulfillment of those two or the epitome of what they could have been or the full potential, however you want to word that. And they miss maybe what Jesus is going to do because what Jesus is already doing does not fit into their safe little box of expectations mm, for what yeah. they expected the messiah and so really the title that i that i gave for this um this past week is not to miss the messiah that's right in front of us and and the reason why i thought this was so good for us at the end of the genealogy series is because we've all heard if you've spent any time in church all these sermons about jesus and so this is nothing new but i wonder if we get so um so uh, numb to Jesus that we miss the way the Messiah has revealed himself Mm. in our very lives. And so I didn't want to finish a genealogy that leads to Jesus and us just go, okay, (laughs) yeah, I've heard that before. Yeah. Um, But wanted to challenge us to consider what it means to wake yourself up. And so one of the stories I shared was when I was in seminary, there was a season where I was newly married, marriage was really hard, seminary was really hard, we had no money, Mm. like no money. Like our first year of taxes, I remember our tax return was like under twenty thousand for mm-hmm. combined income. Yeah, and uh, that was that was rough. The first time to be away from home, um, like living in in a small little town, serving a church, uh, a, a ministry that was difficult because it was just it was foreign to me. It was a different culture and like just really hard. And I just remember being asleep. I remember feeling like I didn't know where God was and I didn't know why God wasn't revealing himself to me and why I wasn't speaking in my life. And so I found myself going for these, um, trying to find these experiences that would keep me going, almost like a junkie trying to get a fix. Yeah, right. And so I'm at seminary. It's a perfect place for a (laughs) a spiritual addict. Uh, And so I would go to chapel as often. We had three chapel services, some of the best preachers that would come around, Mm -hmm. best teachers that would teach, great worship, uh, like kingdom worship, people from around the world that participate in that. 
excuse me, and then we would have daily Eucharist every single day where we could come and receive Holy Communion and hear, again, teachers uh, give these short homilies. And um, I remember just like, again, wrestle that same thing, like, God, where, you know, where are you? And, and, and when I was going for the spiritual highs, I would even walk away from some of these experiences going, yeah, you know, wasn't great. You know, yeah. I didn't get, I didn't get the fix. I was hoping That's that crazy. kind of thing. Yeah. And then I remember one day in particular, I was about to receive uh, the bread and the cup and, and I felt like God speak to me like he was right with me. And he essentially said, John Wayne, you're asleep and you've got to wake yourself up. Mm. Like you've got whatever it takes, wake yourself up. Like, have you ever been in the dream? Like I just had another one of these this week. I was like about to fight two of my friends. Like that's a whole nother story. I guess I better tell it. I had a dream. I had a dream. I had a dream with two friends from church and we were, we were team captains of a church dodgeball league or tournament and like we each captain a different team okay and they started talking trash to me like teaming up on me like yeah real bullies i won't i won't share their names over the over the podcast um um we know how competitive you are that's been a subject of several sermons yeah uh so yeah. far so i can imagine how yeah really well I'll, t- I'll tell you this one guy's name uh rhymes with uh flint uh smiley yeah <laughs> flint smiley <laughs> So, so anyways, uh, uh, all joking aside, like in, I mean, not all joking aside, cause we're still in that dream. Yeah. I, I was like, I got to wake up. Like we're about to fight two of my best friends here. And so, <laughs> um, but have you ever been in that dream where something terrible is happening and you're like, like yeah. even in your dream, you got to wake up. And I felt like that's where I was when I was in the season in, of seminary. Okay. And God was like, whatever it takes, wake yourself up. Dude. Like driving in the car when you're like falling asleep. Oh, yeah. And you got to stick your head out the window (laughs) and listen to music really loud. I felt like that's where I was in my spiritual walk. And I felt like God was saying, I'm I'm all around this. I'm all in your life right now. And you're missing what's going on. You're doing good things. You're in seminary. Yeah, yeah. You know, you're serving a church. You're married to a a great girl. And um, like there there are good things in your life, but you're missing me in the middle of Mm -hmm. all of that. And so I felt like maybe that's what is happening with Peter, James, and John is they, 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 Elijah and Moses show up. They're so distracted by these two that they completely gloss over the fact that Jesus just turned into lightning yeah. in front of them. Like, what? Like, that's incredible. Um, so that was a challenge for us, you know, to think about are we asleep as a, as a church? Yeah. Are we asleep in our marriages and in our relationships and. Uh, maybe we're asleep and at work and like some of the callings that God's given us. And mm-hmm. I don't know. I didn't give a lot of answers this week. So we've got plenty to talk about. I think you left us with a lot of questions about this entire series. Yeah, that's 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 probably, kind of your job. That's, that's probably by design. That's yeah. how you keep them coming back. Maybe not always by design. Not always. But maybe, maybe a fault of the preacher. <laughs> uh, yeah, keep you coming back. Yeah. It's kind of a... a it's like a tease. Yeah, a weak sauce little move of me to like, I hope you come back. Yes. Uh, three disciples were up on a mountain. You won't believe what yeah. Jesus turned into. Stay tuned for next week. <laughs> so speaking of those three guys, how yeah. come... How come Jesus only took Peter, James, and John with him up that mountain? Yeah, great question. Mm-hmm. So one of the cool things that we see uh, with Jesus is his method of discipleship. So 
So especially in Matthew's gospel, you can actually break apart Matthew's gospel based on how how Jesus interacts with the people around him. So the beginning parts, though he is calling his disciples, he's teaching to the multitudes most of the time. The Sermon on the Mount, the yeah. feeding mm-hmm. of the 5,000. There's, there's two feedings in Matthew. I think it's in Matthew. Yeah, but they're real close to each other. And so there's these feed. There's all these, these great big teachings to the masses. But there comes a point about Matthew chapter 12 where... Um, they have rejected the multitudes are rejected the pharisees are coming after jesus and like Mm, no one's receiving uh that teaching and so now jesus focuses on the 12 and so there's this discipleship method is to prepare this little group this little cell church this home group uh to now take that mission into the world Mm. and so that preparation begins and they go on this intimate journey to see Jesus. And so you look at John's gospel and they spend that whole upper room discourse that we preached on through Lent and mm-hmm. like they're learning from Jesus in that intimate setting and all of those preparations like leading up for, for what, what's about to happen. We call that series make ready, you yeah. know, cause they were, he was making them into disciples and preparing them for what was to come. But also we see another level of discipleship in which Jesus drills down deep with three people, Peter, James, and John. James probably being the half brother, uh, his half brother. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, Peter, of course, the rock on which you know I'll yeah. build my church. That uh, that famous saying, the, the the you know famous for putting his foot in his mouth, kind of excited mm-hmm. Peter. He's a klutz, it seems like, and then all of a sudden in Acts he delivers this sermon that thousands are converted, and so like really pouring into Peter. And then John, um, some would say that's the one who wrote the Gospel of John, right. or uh, the one who Jesus loved, right. as mm-hmm. referred to. Um, uh, so, anyways, whoever those three are, exactly. We still debate sometimes with with a couple of them, um, but it is clear that Jesus spends very intentional time with those with with these three guys. He invites them into the garden. He takes all the disciples mm-hmm. there, but he invites the three to go a little bit oh, further yeah. with him. Um, when he's healing, uh, I think it's the it's a Gentile's daughter, Jairus's daughter, I think, uh, or a Roman. General, I'm, I'm I'm mixing probably some of my healing stories, but anyways, there's a, there's a there's a um, a part where oh yeah, I think it's when when he heals the sick, the bleeding woman, and then they go on to a house, and he invites Peter, James, and John inside yes, the house right. to right. see the healing take place. Mm-hmm. So these kind of things happen. And it looks like Jesus is now drilling really deep with three disciples, um, which is something for us to learn about when we're in discipleship. It's good for us to have a small group. It's good for us to have a band group. Mm. It's good for us to have have those really close intimate relationships um not that we're all jesus's but you know what right. you know what i mean and so that level of of knowing each other and being in, in but it's a good thing that we can model our our, our relationships after is yeah that, that kind of relationship you had yeah so real intentional jesus is they're the only ones pre-resurrection that get to see this kind of this view of yeah. glory and so it's a big deal so you're talking about the um the girl in the house or the guy yeah. in the house, whatever. He specifically told them not to tell that yeah. story, right? Right. Okay, so that leads me to this question. Did he tell them not to explain this happening on the hill with the big party in the tent party or whatever? Yeah, or, yeah. Or was that... Matthew, so Matthew's gospel reports Jesus actually saying, don't tell anyone about this. Okay. That's an ongoing theme in Matthew's gospel because once they kind of make the turn towards where Jesus is only teaching the disciples... 
he actually says that a few times. He tells the disciples not to tell anyone of what you've heard here. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of debate over what that means. It's probably that, like, no one's prepared for that kind of teaching. Like, can you imagine those three coming off the mountaintop and then yeah. even telling the disciples what they just saw that they wouldn't be ready to even understand what the post-resurrection Jesus would look like? Yeah. Like, even from their words, like, how can you describe that? To the point that the disciples don't even recognize the post-resurrection mm-hmm. Jesus at yeah. first, you know? Right. Like, like when the, the guy's on the road to Emmaus and, like, when you think about the, the people in the upper room and Thomas is like... I don't know. Is this like you know what? What is it about this resurrected Jesus? And he says, "Touch me. Put your fingers in yeah. my scars." So like, there's there's definitely some some level where Jesus is not overwhelming them with information. Um, I don't know something going on there, but hmm. that's that's kind of the take I would I would put on it. Um. So we you talked a lot about in the sermon. Well, we just talked about it now about mm-hmm. being. Uh, being asleep and not yeah. really kind of knowing what's going on around uh, around you uh, necessarily. Um, what is it? What does being awake look like then? If we if we yeah. look at the the opposite of that, what does yeah. that look like to us? Yeah. So um, I think if we look right into the story, being awake for them is not being distracted with things that are not central to what God's doing around them. Okay. Uh, so there's a lot of different things that we can do with that. So first of all, Moses and Elijah, for these Jews, this is a big deal to see Moses and Elijah. Elijah left in a chariot and disappeared into heaven. <laughs> yeah. And all of a sudden, here he is. And he he was the one that, that defeated the prophets of Baal, called fire down from on high. Yeah. Like just this great heroic story of their faith. And of course, Moses had the, the holiday. I mean, Passover was dedicated to what, what happened by that what God did through Moses and so they this is this is crazy this is like meeting your biggest heroes you can ever imagine yeah. Um, yeah, so, that movie made after him too yeah, yeah. right yeah yeah <laughs> so uh, several times um so so it's a big deal but like I think they're I think these are these are um playing into the expectations like when when Jesus asked people like who, who do people say that I am um, it happens in Matthew and some of them say well some say some say John the Baptist some right. say Moses some say Elijah like so right there what what they're tying into is these Jews because God told them there would be another exodus another kind mm-hmm. of Moses figure another um, another David figure another prophet another Elijah these are the offices that Jesus fulfills um, and so their expectations are to take exactly what happened with that person and then to plop it down onto something else and they're missing what Jesus is doing so Jesus by showing his resurrected body mm-hmm. he's revealing a heaven glory like a, something that's bigger than their expectations and they're missing it and so I say all that to say um, what it looks like to be awake is is to be focused on Jesus to be seeing his glory and seeing the way that he's working and interacting in our lives. So one of the examples I gave is if you participate in VBS, you, you're you working uh, all week. And if all that was was a chance to volunteer at its best or maybe just a kind of a burden mm-hmm. to be a part of, I would suspect maybe we were asleep to what... God was doing right in front of us to yeah. hear these kids sing so fervently, so passionately, My Lighthouse. I mm-hmm. mean, when that song came on, 
they were singing about how no matter the storm, no matter what's going on, God's my lighthouse. And whether they fully understand what that looks like, that's where I can see the Messiah and his glory like right in front of us. And so when we're asleep, we miss those things. When we're asleep, we miss that in our marriage. We miss where God's working and bringing us together and and pouring out grace upon grace. And we take our kids for advantage or we take our friendships for Mm -hmm. advantage or whatever that is. And I think that that's kind of um, some of those things. In my story, what it looked like to wake myself up was, um, was to stop looking for these spiritual highs and to seek the Lord uh, that has revealed himself in Scripture and to actually pray. Yeah. Shocking, right? Mm-hmm. Seminary and all these things going on. To actually talk to him and pray and share, like, the vulnerabilities of God. I don't know how to be a husband. Like I don't, I don't know what I'm doing. Hmm. And so, like, can you help me in that? Like, can you, can you grant me some of that grace and and give me the the eyes to see uh, the moments when I can serve her and and be there and and respond not out of pride and not out of the flesh, but in a way that is serving, that is uh, sacrificial. And and so as like as those conversations began with God and me, uh, and as I began to look at Scripture and just to listen more, then, then that was like how we woke myself up. And so wherever you are, it's do something. Stick your head out the window so that you, <laughs> you, know, so that you eat some flies and you're not falling asleep behind the wheel. It's yeah. do, do anything uh, to wake yourself up. Um, when you don't feel like going to church, get up and go to church. Mm, yeah. uh, go, you're uncomfortable being in a small group, but you're choosing to be asleep instead of going to a small group because it makes you feel uncomfortable. Go get in a small group. Like quit waiting. Yeah. Don't wait for the season of life to slow down. Don't wait for um, soccer to end or baseball mm-hmm. to do this. Don't wait until work is less hectic because that will never happen. Nope. You go from season of life, season of life. And so I, I know I sound aggressive because this is how God spoke to me. And yeah. Like you just got to do something. You got to do something to, to wake yourself up. Make sense? Yeah. How how might we avoid falling asleep in the first place? Like, yeah. Let's say we're yeah. we're in a good place, but yeah. is it you know complacency or what have you? I don't I don't know. I think uh, humility is a really big deal. Like I I've had the opportunity to meet with a few people over the last several weeks. Um that are going through some really hard stuff or even like I, I talked about my brother I talked to my brother on the phone and it's really easy for me to be judgy mm-hmm. and like give him simple answers and just judge him you know and like but really we grew up in the same household there's not many points of separation between me and my brother and and yet <laughs> true. he's in a completely different place now because of decisions made and things that could have happened to me yeah and so, like, in a place of humility, like, I'm never, I don't want to look at anyone like that, but I want to see where God's potential is in them. And so, falling, not falling asleep is just, is, is finding a place of humility where, um, we're still, we still know that apart from God's grace, there's not much that I can lean on and point to myself. As a community, it's, it's fighting for each other against apathy. Mm-hmm. And so, in, in a small group or in church or whatever it is, just really encouraging one another or spurring one another on in love, as we, we've talked about before, um, and helping to fight against what what's going on. Um, 
shake things up. Oh, here, here's the big one. Quit living in your comfort zone. Mm, yeah. Like if you're just flying through life just doing what's comfortable and you refuse to go to UM Army or go do a mission trip or like um, to do something that's a little like a little out of the ordinary or something that you don't want to do, like you just stay away from it, you, you may not see God in those places. One of the big things I said this week is that as we read the Gospels, we see Jesus go to places that we don't hang out in um, to to hang out with people that we typically walk past, yeah. uh, to heal folks that we may not even know are sick. Mm-hmm. And I think if we're missing uh, if we're missing God, then we may not be hanging out in the places where God would be hanging out. <laughs> so, anyways, that's that's kind of where I would answer. Yeah. Um, how are we at time? We're good. Yeah, we're okay. Okay. So, is here's a crazy question: Is yeah. the church, the Big C Church, yeah, is it awake, or are we all kind of lying to ourselves? Speaking of humility, if I answer this one way, I'm not going to sound so humble, right? Okay, <laughs> that's a good point. Um, I think that I think that you could make the case that the church in the West, okay. as we know it right yeah. now, is pretty dang asleep. Hmm. Yeah. I can see. I mean, I just uh, my wheels are turning because I don't know how far I want to go down this. No, I know. Yeah, you. So, 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 right now, one of the biggest fights in our culture is over sexuality. Sure. And on both sides of this argument, there, there's a lot of good things to it. Mm -hmm. And I think that we have gotten so distracted by this fight that we're missing Jesus in our very local Mm -hmm. congregations. Yeah. They were missing the opportunities that we have to really participate in the gospel around us. And I'm not saying that some of these fights shouldn't be one that we're talking about. If you, as a matter of fact, some of us that have the news on for 12 hours a day and we, we get so upset about the president did this or the president did that or, or the, other, the other side of the aisle did this or the other side yeah, of the aisle yeah. did that, we're missing. We're, we're absolutely missing what God's doing around us. Churches, when they're fighting about who has keys to what room, and what color the carpet is or they're fighting or or board of trustees meetings are going on and on and on about uh cabinet space and closet space mm-hmm. and you know like i know that's what trustees do but if it, if it just if like we're distracted we're yeah. we're asleep and i think we're missing um the heart of our mission i think everything that we do in a church should be directed towards our mission our mission at kumc is to make disciples of jesus christ and if every time we meet that we're not considering that mission either how we're strengthening the disciples that are in our group or whatever whatever's happening or if we're not like um elevating our resources to be about that mission then i would argue we took a nap we're at least taking a nap right Mm. now you know to to completely extend the metaphor too far but how's that yeah i mean that i think in the west we can see it we're in a steady decline we we're one of the things that church pastors like argue about and blog about all the time is traditional music versus contemporary music or uh here here's 10 things to get your church to grow from (laughs) over 100 or over 200 people how do you get over that hump or um here's here's five best leadership practices and blah, blah blah all that stuff is is okay and fine and good um but if we like one of the biggest distractions that we have right now is trying to appeal to the secular world around us, and we completely miss the great opportunities we have to be sacred and be different than the world around us. Yeah. 
And so there's there's so many things that we could you could make an argument that the church is asleep. I won't try and sound like the smartest guy in the world <laughs> and do that right now, but there's a lot of people that would probably give a pretty educated argument that the, at least the church as we know it in the West is mm-hmm. is asleep in many different ways. Well, I think it, at the very least, um, the listener can reflect on this and think about ways in their daily church life or their you know, almost a weekly church life but you know there's there's several days between church services yeah how maybe you're being asleep are you asleep or are you awake you mm-hmm. know are you just kind of riding mm-hmm. riding this train and waiting for your stop to come up or are you driving with your head out the window yeah, yeah. Uh, that's good yeah if you're if you're living in a place where God is like where Jesus is just like this this encouraging, I don't know, force or source in your life, mm-hmm. and that's it. Like, like okay, we we just did confirmation interviews, and I don't any of you that have confirmation kids just know like it's it, it's a tough age at sixth grade to be able to lay off this lay on this catechism to somebody in sixth grade. That's why our church is actually making some changes right oh, now, okay. but um, that's not for me to announce here. But anyways. Uh, I, like one of the biggest answers I get is that you know Jesus is my friend and he helps me to be good and do right things uh-huh. and if that's all Jesus is to you then I think you're either intentionally asleep or like you just or, or maybe unintentionally asleep and missing because you can't read Matthew Mark Luke and John and tell me that Jesus is just there to make us feel better about ourselves yeah and there's not a greater calling and a greater um, a greater expectation that we can have that God can't heal and God can't raise the dead and that miracles aren't possible and all of that. Otherwise, we're just dismissing like all of this stuff. And, and I would say that we haven't stepped out of our comfort zones enough to see it in action and see it uh, really happen around us. So there's a lot we can say about that. There's a whole lot we can say about that. Cool. When we look at Peter, James, and John, they build these tents. They're like, oh, let's have a tea party. Let's, uh, can we have a sleepover? Let's stay in this moment forever. And I think that they, um, they're they're wanting to do good things, but they're missing what Jesus is doing. And I think that that's that's a critical takeaway. So, we were just talking both in the sermon and earlier about this spirit, the season in life where you were searching for these highs, these yeah. spiritual highs, kind of. Um, how do so? How do we avoid? getting caught in that trap of just trying to be from this one and jump right to the next one and not really I guess I mean be realistic and there are going to be lows and there are there is going to be times where you are asleep or you're asking questions you know um how do we avoid that trap I think you I think you got to look at what what your day-to-day life um your Christian walk looks like um please just know that Christianity or this faith in Jesus is is more than these experiences of Jesus, and it's more—it's more than that, and it's more towards um, what it is to be a part of a people that have been formed by Jesus, and so that takes on like this everyday kind of work. And so I just—I just encourage you, like, if you're living in between retreats, or if you're—you're hmm. you're really hoping that this next sermon, this next week, is just going to give you the shot in the arm that you need. <laughs> And uh, it's a, it's just a, such a brash metaphor I keep using, but it's the only thing I can think of. Um, then I think you're missing some of the great opportunities we have to be in relationship with Christ, 
um, that he provides us in our day-to-day through prayer and through scripture and through uh, family and friendships and through marriage and all of these things. And so, um, yeah, I just encourage you to not not chase those highs. Oh, and, and also in your lows, like mm-hmm. when you're off the mountaintop, I actually think that's where faith is shaped and formed. Mm-hmm. Like when we have to suffer a little bit, um, when we when more of ourselves is ripped out from underneath us, we have to lean on God a little bit. Don't waste those opportunities. I know it sounds crazy to say they're opportunities. Yeah. But I do think in the when when distractions are removed, God is right in the middle of our suffering, and I think that we can learn more about ourselves and our faith and grow in those seasons, um, and and then that makes. Uh, our faith on the mountaintops a lot different. Hmm. Makes sense? Yeah. All right. I think we've shared enough. I do too. I think we could really keep talking about this for for a long, long time. And I would encourage the listener, if you have any questions that we haven't touched on, this is an opportunity to just keep the conversation going. Yeah. Keep the conversation going. If you, if you, if you're hearing this and didn't hear the sermon, I do encourage you to go listen to the sermon again. Like I don't do that every week. I try, we try to make this so it's standalone. Yeah. Um, so that if you just li- if you really like the conversation, that's good. But I think you need to hear this sermon. But I was listening to, uh, for other reasons, um, episode two of this podcast. Yeah. Today. Wow. At work, and um, we touched on some things that we actually touched on in that episode. That's crazy. And I was like, I'm just so over here seeing these kind of these parallels. But the whole reason this thing started is because um, we wanted to go deeper into questions that spawned when you were mm-hmm. listening to the sermon on Sunday and these um, questions almost all of them most of them came from a listener yes exactly so, yeah. so um, you can submit them you can write them down in, in the sermon and give them to us afterwards you can email them to us you can hand them to us in person podcast at kingwoodumc.org find yeah. us on social media any of those things but yeah we, we, we love to keep the conversation going absolutely so let's get um, briefly let's talk about what's coming next week get us yeah we start a new summer, summer, summer series on the parables awesome yeah I think it's I think this series is called words that words that change the world or something like that something close to that no, okay. it's bad marketing but, it really is <laughs> but it's on the parables <laughs> uh, so we're excited about that um, yeah yeah. Happy yeah. fourth to everybody. Hope you have a good, fun, safe week. Get some family time in. Yeah. And uh, I'm getting a like this is the Chris, I took a day off last Wednesday. Yeah. So I'm getting the second week in a row with or a, the day right smack up in the middle of the week. I'm not not working. Yeah. So I'm like That's getting, good. I'm getting addicted to this. The I'm day not. you took <laughs> off last week, you spent it at the church. I did. Working. I did. So I appreciate you. Well, thank and you. And I like that you still called it a day off. I appreciate that. It was still but, a day off for me. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. Well, we love you, Jason. Thank you so appreciate that. Yeah. We thank you uh, for downloading and taking the time to listen to this. Um, and I ramble a lot, and especially at the beginning. Sometimes it doesn't make the air, but it did this episode. So we yeah, appreciate congratulations. <laughs> appreciate that even more. And uh, we will see you next week. Yeah. Talk to you. Talk to you guys later. God bless you and uh, pray good things for you this week. All right. Take care. Bye. Bye.